following is a message at Living Savior Church in Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. To learn more, go to lsavior.org. So the old home team is struggling through a lost season. In their last outing, they were completely embarrassed. The players on the team have been heard criticizing one another. Meantime, the coaches have tried new strategies, new plays, fresh pep talks. Nothing's working. So you know what they need. They need someone to come along and and breathe fresh hope into their tired old attitudes. They need a a new quarterback. They, They need a a new coach. Maybe they need somebody to design new uniforms. They need someone who will rally them and and pull them together. Generally speaking, that's how it works, isn't it? Whatever the team, whatever the group, whatever the gathering, sometimes one person can turn everyone around. It certainly was the case in the ancient city of Rome. Many times over the years, the the team at Rome had suffered serious setbacks in in the gospel cause and the cause of serving Christ, but not on the athletic field. The, The church at Rome was struggling in real life, like your marriage maybe has struggles. Like, like your family is experiencing some difficulties. Like a church may have to sail through some stormy seas. And yet here's the message that we just heard from the Lord's Apostle Paul. Jesus Christ is coming. He's coming for a hope that overflows and for unity that brings praise to God. When he wrote this famous epistle, the apostle had not yet visited the city of Rome, apparently had never been there. And yet what he shows at the very end of this letter to the Roman Christians is he knew at least 30 of the people at Rome, the believers at Rome by name, and he knew precisely what they were dealing with. You see, Rome was the capital of the empire. And and not just politically, Rome was sort of a religious capital. The emperor who sat on his throne at Rome claimed to be Pontifex Maximus, the the highest priest, the, the bridge builder to the gods. His subjects would call him at his insistence, Augustus and Divas, in other words, venerable and divine, and they would, they would worship the emperor at, at temples throughout the city. So, if you followed Christ, in your following him and confessing in the faith, you had to go against the prevailing views of the people of Rome. If, if you said that your king established his kingdom by dying on a Roman cross, the, the Romans would, would laugh at you. 
If, if you pointed out that your king conquered the grave, Romans would, would roll the, their eyes at your silliness. But if you said that your king ascended to the right hand of God where he now rules over every ruler and power and authority, the Romans might make your life miserable. They might gather with a mob outside your home and pull you and your family out and, and, and beat you. They, they might turn you into the civil authorities, take away your property, drive you out of the city. And yet at Rome, men with names like Aquila and, and, and Apelles and Andronicus prepared the way for the Lord. Women with names like Priscilla and Trophina and Trophosa also prepared the way for the Lord. You see, what they did is they, they turned themselves away from simply complaining about the emperor. They, they, they didn't waste their breath pointing to, pointing to everybody the, the terrible faults of the big bad government over them. Rather, they did what God's people have always been urged to do. They, they repented. They, they looked at God's standards, at his commandments as far as what is right and what is wrong, and they examined their, their own thoughts, their own words, their own behaviors. And, and with the apostle who wrote this earlier in the letter, they recognized and grieved over the fact that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But when they would repent in that way, Jesus Christ would come along. He'd come along through the words of Psalm 130. Psalm 130, which says, Lord, if you kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, Lord, there's forgiveness. He would come to them through the words of Psalm 23 and assure them that, that he was their shepherd and that because he was their shepherd, goodness and mercy would, would follow them all the days of their lives. You notice a couple of things in those last instances? Jesus Christ then and now comes to his people through the written word. He, he comes through the, the Holy Scriptures and, and, and gives God's people the strength to stand up under pressure. His written word lifts up those who are down. His written word grants to those who believe a, a, a sadness-defying joy. In times of confusion, his written word instructs us. He comes to us through his written, written word to give us a hope that overflows. The apostle writes about that beautifully in this passage. He says everything that was written in the past was, was written to teach us so that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And then he prays. 
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember high school hopes? Yeah, high school hopes. I, I hope we don't have a quiz in history today because I didn't study a thing. High school hopes. I, co- I hope the coach doesn't make us run sprints today because, because my knees are hurting me. High school hopes. I, so, I, I hope I see her in the hallway today and I hope she looks in my direction, but I hope she doesn't say anything to me because if she did, I don't know what I would say in return. High school hopes, of course, are rather normal for, for that age. In fact, they typify many of our hopes throughout our life, and yet the hopes that the Lord Jesus comes to us and grants, they're not like that. They're not going to be crushed at some point. Our longings and that those sort of longings are, are, are not going to be terribly disappointed. Instead, the hope we have in the Lord is as certain as his written word. So, Jesus Christ keeps coming to us in the scripture to assure us that no matter how hard a time we have breaking a, a, a sinful habit, we nevertheless are, will, will always be regarded as squeaky clean, washed in baptism's grace. He comes to us through the scriptures to assure you that no matter how lonely you may feel in the coming days, and, and loneliness is a thing during these, these days of December, no matter how lonely you might feel, your Father is always with you and taking care of you. He comes to, to you in, in the written word to assure you that no matter how many cares and burdens uh, threaten to overwhelm you, he always cares for you. After all, he gave up his own son to, to prove his, his love and concern. You know, when Jesus Christ is coming to you through the Holy Scriptures, you, you simply cannot see the glass as half empty. Matter of fact, you can't see the glass as half full. Rather, the hopes he pours into your heart and mind fill the glass till it overflows and you become the Christian optimist, the faithful cons- the faithful encourager, the, the, the generous soul who keeps pointing others to God's light when others only see darkness. You, you become, with this hope, someone who recognizes that the future, the immediate future, the long-range future, that's God's future. You and I pray for that. So does the Apostle Paul. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. For the writer of this great epistle, unity was a, was a big deal. As Paul wrote this letter to 
a gathering of believers several hundred miles away from him. He did not view them as people of Jewish heritage on the one hand and Gentile heritage on the other. He didn't see them as some of them were slaves, some were free. He didn't see them as, as male on the one hand, female on the other. He didn't see them as new converts to the faith and those who were longtime believers going all the way back to Pentecost. The church had almost all of those things individually. It was also people of different abilities, different personalities, different, different skills and aptitudes, and yet the apostle didn't regard them as that. From the perspective given him by the Holy Spirit, Paul saw all those believers as one body with Christ as their head. And he urged them to speak together the one faith and the one hope and the one love that they had in Christ. Urges you and me to do the same. To speak as the body of Christ with one mouth as we hold to that written word with one heart. Paul's prayer for you, for your family, for your marriage, for our church. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our prayer, right? You look at your family and you see lots of difference, different abilities. You, you look at, at, at your family of believers and you recognize, in my church family, there is a lot of differences here. We're di people of different ages, people of different upbringings, people who attended different schools, different life experiences, different, different personalities, all sorts of differences that could, could threaten to keep us apart from one another. And yet, among those differences, Christ keeps coming with his word so that with one heart, we confess together our shortcomings. You've noticed that about when we gather for worship, that we, we, we begin our worship after singing a hymn with, with together confessing our laziness, our, our not paying attention to the things of God, our failure to show concern for those who obviously need our concern, we, we confess our sins together. And then with, with one heart, we believe what God has given us through his son, that his son's obedience is mine and yours and the church families together, that his death to sin is our death to sin, that his resurrection is new life for all of us together. With one mouth, we confess our, our need for 
God's mercy, our desperate need for it. And yet, with one mouth, we also confess that God's mercies are new every morning for the sake of Jesus. And with one heart, then we desire to to flee from temptation and and urge and, and please our, our merciful God with the decisions that we make. With one heart, we acknowledge that there is a constant need for Christ to come to us through his word. And then with one mouth, we say, this is what we do as a gathering of believers. We come together and, and pay attention to the word. We, we, we devote time to studying the word and learning it more deeply, exploring it in, in Bible studies and, and Sunday school. We, we desire the word in our homes and we, we learn how to talk about the word to one another in our homes. If you're open to the, to the Bible, to Romans chapter 15, where this passage comes from, and you were to look at the chapter right before it, you'd find the apostles writing about what the Greeks called the, the adiaphora, what, what the Germans called die Mitteldinge. In other words, he writes about those matters where God neither commands something or forbids something. The matters in between, the matters that could be disputable matters, matters of opinion. In, in, in the church at Rome, there were some people whose opinion was that certain foods should be avoided. Certain foods should be regarded as unclean. And then others felt, we're free to eat anything. And, and there were people at the church at Rome who felt that one day of the week was more holy than the others, and others felt that all the days of the week are, are holy in the sight of God. You and I, maybe we don't struggle with things that, that those of, of a Jewish versus Gentile heritage would, would disagree on, but there's certainly other areas where we don't see eye to eye, those, those things that God has neither commanded nor, nor forbidden. For instance, are, are you a cat person? Are you a dog person? Or, or neither? After this last election last month, were you happy about the outcome? Were you sad about the outcome? Or neither? We have different preferences as to the kind of music we enjoy, including the worship that we, that we sing when we gather for, for worship. We have different opinions about how to spend money, including how should we spend the offerings that we gather to the glory of our Savior. As a church family, we often need to discuss one another our, our differing opinions, and yet we, we dare never let those, those matter of opinion, matters of opinion divide us. We'll learn to, to say to one another what the Greeks learned about the, the adiaphora, what the Germans would, would, would refer to as the, the middle things, die Mitteldinge, where, where God neither commands nor forbids. We're, we're free, and yet we discuss those with one another is, is, with this in mind. How would our decisions in this middle area benefit the group? One of the beauties of these, these middle things is that 
this too is why Jesus comes to us. He comes to provide forgiveness when our matters of opinion become matters of hostility. He comes to receive us as his own when, when we, we turn those, those matters of opinion into matters of personal pride and, and dig our heels in. He comes to us who are sinful by nature and he promises that he accepts us now for the sake of his mercy and will accept us at the final judgment. That, the apostle says, that then impacts how we regard one another. Jesus' ambassador puts it in the form of command, of, of a command. He urges us, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. Worth repeating, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Come to think of it, in a marriage, in a family, in a church family, learning to accept one another, even in view of the differences and differing, differing opinions, that's very precious because what it does is it guards this, this unity that's been given to us, this one Lord, one faith, one baptism, this one hope that we share. We take that to heart and recognize that this, is, this too is something to strive for, to pray for, and, and to protect. Christ Jesus, of course, brings that about by his Holy Spirit. He breathes into us the spirit of unity and a desire for it, also that this too might bring praise to God.